like the show? Want to listen to episodes early? Consider becoming a patron. Starting at the $3 a month level, patrons get access to a custom patron-only feed where we put out episodes of Upstairs Studio podcasts like the Child Care Bar and Grill, Miss Becky's Classroom, That Early Childhood Nerd, the Renegade Rules podcast, and others early. That feed is just for patrons. You could be one of them. Go to patreon.com slash playvolutionhq or click the link in the show description to learn more. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Kick back, settle in, and let us fill your ear holes with early learning information, wisdom, and advice. And now, here's Heather and Jeff. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Jeff Johnson here with Heather Shoemaker. How are you doing, Heather? I'm doing great, and I'm so happy because uh, we have a guest today with us who's from my favorite school in the world, um, School for Young Children, also known as SYC. So we have with us one of the two directors of the school, Amy Rudowski. So, so glad to have you, Amy. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be talking with you guys. Well, I, I don't know all of you who are listening, if you know why this is my favorite school, but it's, it's the one I went to as a kid when I was four and five, and it's the school where my mother taught for 40 years. And actually, now that she's retired, she's still teaching there. She comes in, I think, once a week. She does. And, <laughs> she comes into my classroom, actually, and volunteers once a week. Yeah. Yeah, so, so, you know, once a preschool teacher, always and unstoppable. But the School for Young Children was founded about 50 years ago, and I just turned 50, so all these good things happened way back then, 50 <laughs> years ago, and some of the ones that were our better ideas are still going strong. Um, so yeah. also I was going to say that the, the listeners who, who have found Renegade Rules, I think most of you know that the inspiration and really the collective knowledge that's summed up in the book, It's Okay Not to Share, all originated in this little preschool in Columbus, Ohio, called the School for Young Children. And if you are in the know, you just call it SYC. So we're going to be calling it that. <laughs> um, so if you love the ideas and the philosophy of It's Okay Not to Share, this is where it all started. And Amy, can you tell us a little, I mean, you're the the third set of directors, I think, in the course of 50 years, isn't that right? Yeah, so this is our, our 51st year. It, we had um, our founders, Janet Stalker and Lee Rowe, so they were the first co-directors and, and founders of the school. Um, and then it moved to Jan Waters, who we still see Jan Waters uh, frequently uh, pop in and visit and, and check on us, I'll say. Uh, but she's also one of my mentors. And then it uh, transferred over to Stephanie Rottmeyer. And Stephanie was there when I started um, as a parent. So I was a parent there first before I became a teacher and then moved on um, into being a director. And then um, when Stephanie retired, she brought Susan and I in as co-directors. Um, so it started with co-directors and then now there's co-directors again. And really the, the reason behind that is that Susan and I, you know, we always joke and say, 
you know, we didn't come into this field to, to be an administrator, right? We came into this field because we loved and had a passion for working with young children. And so by job sharing this, we can both still have our foot in the classroom. So we both teach um, at the preschool two days a week, and then our remaining hours are spent doing office type hours. So, um, yeah, as that's as why my mom school, can volunteer in your classroom because you have a classroom. That's right, I have a classroom. Yes. So uh, the school, as I said, you know, started in 1969, um, with the main philosophy being um, social emotional learning within this context of play. Um, and I always tell people, you know, as we're we're giving mini tours r right around this time of the year, getting ready for registration, and I tell people, you know, we really believe in free, unstructured playtime. Though just because we spend a lot of time during um, unstructured playtime does not mean that we don't have structure. You know, we certainly have structures and rules and limits. We just want our free playtime to be child chosen. So that's really the real gist of of you know, the quick little curriculum, what is SYC? I would say it's, it's the importance of social emotional learning within that context of play. Mm -hmm. so. And you said you came to SYC as a parent. So had you, I did. Um, you just stumbled on it or you'd heard that this is where you needed to send your kids? So it's actually interesting. I went to a um, early childhood workshop. I was working at a different school at the time and I went to this workshop and I saw some of these who are now mentors, you know, putting on a presentation. And I remember that presentation was called Supporting Boys Behavior. And I ah. signed up for it because because I had an eighteen month old boy and he was very, you know, just a physical kid. And I watched these mentors put on skits and describe how their school handled things. And then I remember Jan Waters boxing at the school. And I thought, this school does boxing. I'm, that's, that's my dream. Like, I would love to send my kid there. And when uh, I, my daughter was born a couple of years later, I then decided to stay at home. And I could then consider a part-time program. And I, I didn't even tour. I just turned in my registration, and that was that. And I haven't left. Mm-hmm. And did they get to box? Oh yes, they did get to box. And and I have lovely. Um, some of my favorite pictures are of my daughter boxing um, <laughs> there as well. Mm-hmm. So you were already um, longing for a place like this. You just didn't know where to sign up, and then you discovered it. So that's wonderful, because I think a lot of parents, especially when they have an 18-month-old boy with a lot of physical energy, they're, they're kind of baffled and wanting to shut it down, but you already had that part of your heart that, that knew that that's what he needed. Yeah, I mean, this is what I felt, you know, this was what I was always looking for, like you said, but I just couldn't find the right fit. And, and you know, I learned so much in, in my um, schooling about, you know, the project approach with children, um, Reggio Emilia, and that really spoke to me as well. But it just, I just didn't see how we could really be Reggio here. <laughs> um, you know, I certainly like the project approach, but really I think what I liked the most about it was that it was child-led. Mm -hmm. And that's just what felt so right to me. So then how did you make that great transformation from parent to um, teacher and, 
and you know become one of the people that that's helping guide other parents through these these years yeah, yeah. and i will say that we we tell a lot of people when they come and, and spend some time at our school we'll say you know you're going to hear uh, some language here you're going to hear us speak what we we say sometimes the syc language and sometimes that might just be you know we call it teacher talk if, if uh, somebody makes a mistake or um you know, drop something, I might say, oh, Heather, I made a mistake. Are you mad at me? And and that's just sort of our language so that we can model some of those things in front of the kids. And, you know, all, when I would spend time with my own kids in the classroom, you know, I, I picked up on some of that language very quickly because it just felt so, so natural and respectful to me. Um, and so we really started integrating that into our parents, our parenting at home. And I remember one day Jan Waters, um, who was uh, my son's teacher at the time said, uh, do you ever think about working here? And I said, <laughs> yes, actually. And I said, but you know, I, I'm not quite ready yet. Um, my daughter was just two at the time and I really wanted to spend some more time being at home. And then I think uh, when she was turning four, I said, oh, okay, I think I'm ready. Um, and so that was in 2000. Uh oh, I'm still here. We lost Amy. There you are. Okay, sorry about that. I don't know what happened, but yeah. I'm back. <laughs> there must be some some Zoom god that, that is against yeah. um, play or something. <laughs> Trying to shut down our conversation. Right, right. All right, so um, do you want to say a bit of that last thought again? Jeff's going to edit that part. Yeah, I just want to think where... Um, where were we, everybody? You were, you were, she asked if you wanted a job, you ever thought about working there? Okay. All okay, right. And it. when she was four, okay. you decided, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So when she was four, I decided that um, I was ready to take that step and, and work um, at the school. And so it was great to, uh, I was working while she was still there. Um, although I've learned it's not the best to be the teacher of your child in the same classroom. So <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that wasn't the best scenario for us, but uh, luckily that we have two other uh, co-teachers in the classroom, so they could kind of step in when it was some of the more, you know, challenging mom issues there. Um, so that was back in 2009, and that was my first year teaching, and um, haven't left. I'm still there, and I have no plans on going anywhere. All right. So how now that you've you know you've you've been on 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 the um, teaching side and the and the director side for these this last ten years and more, um, what is it like to find parents who maybe it's their first child and they're just going through that journey of parenthood and watching these transformations of of um, the parents realizing what their kids can do when you give them the chance to play or realizing that that physical play is, is all right. Um, what kind of, of journeys have you helped parents through? Because we all start somewhere and we end up somewhere else. Sure. Well, and I think one of the real um, benefits that I, um, of having parents volunteer in the classroom. So we ask parents to volunteer, um, as one, one part as, is to help us, you know, maybe cleaning some paint cups and, and doing some other things so that we can attend um, to working with the children and continue our bond with them. But one of the great benefits for parents is that they're getting to absorb what is happening um, in the classroom and just um, our interactions with children. So I think, um, like I said, that SYC sort of language, I think that's something that just becomes absorbed by parents um, 
then they can take that back and, and to their home. And we always tell people, yes, it's very easy for us to be very calm and collective here when we're with your child for two and a half hours. But we also know that, you know, there's real life and that when you go home, it's not always easy for you to remain calm and collected um, during those things. So we, we always want to tell people, listen, we're not perfect. All right. Um, we, we do get frustrated um, and things like that. But when we're in there for two and a half hours with your child, um, we, you know, we have the, the space, the area set up for success with that. So mm-hmm. some of uh, just kind of seeing the, the journeys with parents is, you know, even something this, just this week was really unique that we had um, set up one of our metal A-frame climbers in um, my classroom. It's been a little bit cold outside and we wanted to do some more large motor inside. And I, I, Heather, I think that climber has been there since you were probably a student. But. Oh yeah, that's ancient. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's so wonderful. We can't find anything else like it. And um, I had that set up this week and I had uh, a four-year-old girl and she was really determined. She really wanted to climb up and over this A-frame climber. And you could, I could read her that when she was climbing up, she was just, she was very nervous, worried and scared, but I really wanted to help her kind of through it. And so my first kind of just interaction was, you know, I just wanted to give her verbal information that, I know that you can do this. I'm standing near you, you know, kind of thing. And when I saw her, you know, kind of make some attempts again, but then look very worried, then I started to just kind of change and give her some feedback. So, I, you know, I said, oh, if you put your hand here, and then I wonder if you turn your hips this way, you know, step this way. Um, so kind of just giving some, maybe some cues, I'll say, maybe verbal and some tactile cues with, with this. But the whole purpose of why I'm telling you this aspect was I had a group of parents who were still in there from dropping off in the morning and they came up to me and wanted to talk afterwards. And they were like, oh, my gosh, like the fact that um, that you you knew she wanted to do that and watched and gave her the time to do it. And I said, that's right. This is this is what this is. It's practice, you know, and this is something that you can do, too. It's just taking that time at the playground. And, you know, talking them through something um, step by step and, and giving some of those those cues, too. Um, so that was just kind of a, one unique thing that I remember from this week is, is them, you know, observing sort of that, that physical risk taking and then asking um, about, hey, I like that. How can I implement that? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't the it wasn't the group of parents watching you lift the child to the top. Sometimes we think, oh, they yes. want the end product. It's the right. how can I help the child do it themselves and gain that confidence for the next time when I'm maybe not there or something. Yeah, it's not, right. not fixing the problem. It's helping them on their own journey. And what was so great is that there was a group of other kids that were really excited and waiting. They were really wanting to go. And and I, you know, gave them some information. I said, you know, I, I see that this child is really spending some time on here. She might need a little bit of space before you climb. So, so you might have to wait, you know. And those, those kids watched her and were so patient and waiting. Uh, and mm-hmm. and I, I will admit that doesn't always happen. That doesn't always mean that mm-hmm. they're, they're patiently able to wait. But you could sense that they could tell that this this kid was really working on something. And I think that the, the other thing that the parents got from that part was 
that I, it wasn't rushed. I didn't rush her off of there just because right. there was a lot. You line. weren't so it socially was, concerned that, oh, she wasn't being nice or fair or kind to those other kids, that they that they had to scramble up, that the most important thing in life at that moment wasn't that they all could get to the top as quickly as possible, that you were right. valuing her efforts and struggles, and therefore they were starting to value it because you you'd bothered to tell them you respected them enough to say this is what's going on and you know treated them as as you would you know yourself <laughs> clue yeah. yourself in a little bit yeah because I think I often people are so desperate to rush to the top of things and so desperate to get all the kids in line or all the kids who are waiting to have their turn when maybe that's not the point after all right and and for me I was looking at it as that this child has a right this child has the right to take extra time to practice and learn the skill. How else will she learn the skill of, of this and to learn that she can accomplish something that, she, that was worried or she might feel scared about if she doesn't have the time? If she's rushed and not given the time, how will she get that skill? And so, you know, I think also waiting is a skill, right? Yeah. So those other kids who are waiting for a turn, that's a skill. Absolutely. And it's a skill that a lot of us need to practice. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, but so it's Amy, one, again, that's undervalued. It's not one that, that people think about. And, and to say, oh, they, these kids aren't going to die if they have to wait. In fact, it's a skill. And it's, and it's part of the skill is dealing with all those tricky emotions that come when they're frustrated because they can't do what they want. Right. Amy, one of the things I'm always fascinated about is people's journeys as, as a, as a mom with a child in this program all those years ago, would you have handled that situation the same as you did now? Or has that been part of your evolution as a, as a professional or, or how have, how have you changed or, or is that just the way you would have always handled it? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I definitely think I've evolved um, with some of my thinking. I think I, I would value that as a parent, that I would want my child to be able to have the time. But I think I just didn't have, you know, the practice. I didn't have the practice and to see how much of a value that was yeah. um, back when I was a mom. But now um, getting the time and experience to, to really see what that can do, um, I think it's definitely been an evolution. Yeah, that experience is such a, such a, a valuable thing to have. Um, speaking yeah. of new experiences... Um, you've started a podcast? We have, we have, we've, um, you know, we do a, a couple of parent education nights throughout our school years. Um, we offer, it's typically four nights a week or sorry, not a week, four nights a year. Um, and we do these <laughs> topics and that would be ideal, right? Um, we offer these, t um, on different topics and, and usually we have like a, two or three teachers and they might present on a particular topic that evening. Um, these topics range from things like uh, positive guidance and discipline. It might be peer and social relationships. Um, my personal favorite is uncomfortable topics like sex and death. Um, <laughs> so we offer these uh, parent education evenings. And there's been so many times that we've had parents ask us if we would videotape them or um, record them so that they, you know, they couldn't come and, and see the event, but they really wanted the information. And that never felt right to us because it felt that 
you know, we have families that are coming to these events and they might be in a vulnerable position and, and felt comfortable in that moment to ask a question, but they might not want that broadcasted, you know, to a number of other people. And so we thought, well, I don't feel comfortable recording those education nights, but we can do a podcast where we are sitting and talking and doing the, the presentation portion of it. And that can be out there for, for parents who miss it. And we can expend, extend that even outside our own community. So it's been a project that I've, I've been interested in for a long time, but just hadn't figured out how to get there and how to get um, to it. And so I had a friend who um, does a personal podcast and, and he was able to um, help us out with getting that started. So that's been a really um, great blessing with that. Excellent. Yeah. So how do, um, how do people listen to your podcast? Tell us its name and how often you're going to yeah. do it and all sorts of things. Yeah. So it's called the SYC approach. So empowering preschoolers through play and compassion. You can find it on any of the, the main, um, you know, Apple podcasts, Google play, tune in, Stitcher, um, Spotify. So those main platforms it can be found on and you can just search the SYC approach and our, our uh, logo will come up with our uh, first episode. Our first episode was on um, guidance and limit setting. We're not entirely sure how often we're going to do it. I know that um, we've already got a list of topics that we're ready to go on. It's more so just um, giving different teachers some opportunities to come um, and record with me. Uh, as well as, you know, setting up the, the studio time and um, to get all that portion worked out. So ideally, I want to at least get one out every month. So um, it would be great if I could do it every two weeks, but I also have to run the preschool and teach in the classroom. So it's all, it's all about. <laughs> yeah. So if you have uh, kids and you have it's okay not to share the book in one hand and you have SYC approach the podcast in the other hand you're going to be set you're going to have no matter where you live you'll be set and know how to go forward caring for these kids in, with confidence because you got Amy talking to you and then if you're tired of listening to things you can always pick up a book and read it but I think that Absolutely. you know that's the reason that I wrote the book in the first place was that there isn't an SYC preschool around every corner. There certainly wasn't in my corner because I live 417 miles away. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, that's a bit of a commute. And so I knew that there are a lot of people who are wanting to soak in this philosophy and, and these kind of SYC words so that even if we're not able to shadow you in your classroom, that we can still pick up these words and start learning how to do things no matter where we live. Um, so right. this, I'm so excited you're doing the podcast um, because that's just one more way to reach people and help families and kids you know, be who they're meant to be and not worry about all the extra stress we sometimes try to foist onto them. Absolutely. And I think... So, um, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Amy. Well, I've already, I just forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if you want to hear more of Amy's wisdom, go to SYC Approach. Again, this is the inspiration for the It's Okay Not to Share books. And um, it. I learn something every time I talk to an SYC teacher. These teachers have been in the classroom for years. They are steeped in the philosophy. They know it 
so well. It's like breathing for them and they keep getting better every year, which is incredible too. So um, it is the collective wisdom of many generations of SYC teachers that contributed to It's Okay Not to Share. And I was really just the messenger. So I am always humbled in your presence and the presence of all the SYC folks that are with you now and came before you. And we're just so honored to have you here on, on the Renegade Rules podcast. Well, thank you so much for your support, Heather. And I love that you've been such a, a voice and an advocate for SYC and SYC philosophy for for all this as well. So thank you. Good. All right. It, Thanks so much for being with us. Yeah. And if you Go need ahead, more Jeff. if you need more Amy in your life, uh, hang around, come back for the next episode because she's gonna join us for some conversation about about timeout. You can find out whether we're for it or again it. We'll be back soon with another episode of Renegade Rules. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for sharing the show. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 And there we go. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. Music by Alexander Shoemaker. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh. Hey, we need your support to keep the podcasts flowing. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash support to learn how. One of the big things you can do is shop Amazon with the link we provide. You buy your cat food, you buy your kids' books, you buy whatever it is you buy on Amazon, you pay the regular price. We get a small percentage of it. Everybody wins. A lot of people are doing it. It really supports the shows, and we really appreciate it. Give it a try. Thanks. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.